0: Welcome to, I think, my favorite church service that we do out of the year. Anyone else love coming out into nature and having church? Yeah, good stuff. You ever heard of the expression, or maybe you've thought of it, that when you're out in nature, you feel really close to God. You feel like you can hear God. Anyone ever have that experience before? Okay. My wife and I, uh, she didn't know I was going to say this even, but my wife and I were out in some, some beauty on Friday, and she made that comment. And I didn't even tell her that I was going to talk about this this morning. But that illustrates what I'm about to say. I think part of why that is, is because built into the created order are some deeper truths, kind of some metaphors that point to to larger realities. And when we're out in in creation, when we're out in nature and we're looking around, we can see things that apply to our life. Let me give you an example. Most of you here have been camping for a long time. And when the sun goes down, it gets really, really dark around here, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone try to find something and they, and they didn't have their flashlight, they didn't have their headlamp, they didn't have a fire nearby, and they were trying to look for something and it was too dark? Anyone have that experience yet this weekend? Okay, a lot of you, right? What do you do at home? You turn on a light, right? Super easy, right? If you're outside, you, you're, you're sure you're near a street light or something. Now, we have Chateau Sloan here, which uh, has a pretty big light, but if you try to find your way much beyond that, you realize something very quickly that... Light reveals what's there. Light reveals truth, right? It shows off what's going on. So if you're about to trip over a dead log, a light will reveal that that's there and you'll step over the dead log instead of stubbing your toe and falling over it, right? But did you also know that darkness reveals truth? Uh, Right now, I want you to do something. I want you to look up. I want everyone to point out the Big Dipper to me. Find the Big Dipper. Who's got it? You're wrong. Yeah, you know you're just making that up. Usually there's like four smart Alex in the crowd. We just got tons. Right there! When will you be able to find the uh, Big Dipper? When When it's dark, right? The reason for that is really, really simple. Once darkness comes, the light shines through really, really clearly, right? And so light reveals what's true and what's real. But darkness has a way of doing that as well. Uh, We've been in a series, we're wrapping it up this morning, called God-Loving Family. And um, one of the encouragements that we can take from it is that God doesn't demand perfection from you being a kid in a family, from you being a parent trying to parent your kids, from you being a spouse trying trying to love your husband or wife. God doesn't demand perfection. In fact, Oftentimes, darkness has a way of being a really good backdrop for what's true. Take dark times. Don't you sense God's love and God's faithfulness coming through a dark season and realizing, wow, it's so dark? I had no one else to turn to but God. And in those dark times, we have experiences sometimes where we go, man, God's love and faithfulness are as bright now as I've ever seen them. Are God's love and faithfulness always there? Yeah. But in the light times, when it's daylight, sometimes we just don't see it that much. Sometimes when we walk through our darkest nights is when it shows off those good things. Now, I don't want any family sitting here today in the sound of my voice to go try to go do dark things. But here's the reality. We're sinners. We struggle. We fail. And so we're going to have spouses who check out for seasons of time. We're going to have spouses who are unfaithful. We're going to have kids who are going to rebel. <gasps> Shock, I know. Um, in those times, isn't it true that wandering Israelites for 40 years is a great inky, dark backdrop for God's faithfulness as a loving parent? Yeah, it is. When our kids rebel, it's, it's actually a good... Uh, time to show off the loving faithfulness of a parent so it is with spouses it's easy to love when things are going really well when it's daylight when you're cruising around but in those dark times that's when your vow before king jesus makes sense that's when it shows off your faithfulness your act of worship to stay committed to this marriage not based on a 50 50 contract Um, we're going to look at one more lever. I mentioned some levers a while ago. Uh, You don't have to be a physics major to understand that if you want to move something too strong for you, you go find a lever. And if you have the right lever, you apply pressure to your side of a lever and you can move a whole boulder, right? There are some levers in parenting. There are some levers in being married. There are some levers that God has actually built into a created order that allow us to parent beyond our capacity, love beyond our capacity as spouses. So we're going to get one more of those today. Uh, Before we do that, I need Travis to come on up. Um, Travis is going to uh, join us. Welcome, guys. By the way, here's a quick welcome, especially to those of you who made the trip for the day. Um, Thank you for coming up um, just for church. Awesome to have you guys here. And, uh, yeah. So here's what I want to have happen. I want you... If you are, we're going to have three levels. We're going to have, we're going to have expert, we're going to have moderate, and we're going to have beginner, okay? If you count yourself as an expert at rhythm, I want you to stand up right now, okay? And there's going to be a little test attached to it, and it's okay if you, if you can't do it. Let me point some out. You two guys should be standing, but it shouldn't just be you. Stand up if you're pretty good at rhythm, all right? Stand up, stand up. Stand up if you're pretty good at rhythm. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you, yeah, this is, there's only three levels though. Uh, so, so I want you um, to learn from our rhythm expert. Okay. I went to a rhythm expert from our church and he is going to give us a clapping rhythm that I want just those standing up to try and follow along. Okay. So you can listen to it once or twice and then you're going to try and follow along with Travis. All right, go for it, Travis. Go and stop. Not bad, pretty good. Give it up for these guys. All right. Um, if you are, if you are in the moderate camp, stand up and join those who are in the experts. Experts, you have to stay standing. Okay. If you're, if you're kind of in the middle of the road when it comes to rhythm, this is you. You're going to stand up, and you're going to follow along with our rhythm expert, Travis. Go for it. No, oh, that's, that's beginner. Yeah. No, moderate. Give, give us a little something. Here we go. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, good. I want everyone to stand up right now. I know you're in your comfy chair. Everyone stand up. This is beginner mode, all right? And we are going to have a beginner clapping session right now. Follow our rhythm expert. Go, Travis. All right. Good job. Good job. Yes. All right. Here's a reality that happens at, at every church I've ever been to ours included. Um, what happens is music will get going and, um, and people are feeling it, right? They're wanting to participate. They want to jump in and, um, what happens is some of you are really gifted at rhythm and you pick it up really quickly and you clap in the right spot. Um, others of you are what we call rhythmically challenged. Um, and that last one, that last one, you were there, you're like, yes, I got that. That's like the stick figure drawing, right? You're like, yes, I can do that. And so what happens in every church, ours included, is that you'll have people who are, who are just, I mean, God bless them, they're into it, right? I mean, they're, they're, and they're so exuberant about it. Um, but those with really good rhythm realize they're, they're not clapping with the beat. They're not clapping with what's happening with the music. Um, and so um, here's just a little tip. Um, if that's you, you may not know it's you, and that's totally okay. What's great, what's great about participatory worship is we're not there like we're not clapping experts. That's not why we're at church. But here's just a little tip. Um, Find someone near you that seems to be right on rhythm all the time. And if you ever find yourself getting off, join back in with them. It's just like a little reset that can happen. Once in a while, I have been leading worship, and I will turn to Ruth or someone and say, clap. What I am telling them to do is, our church is (laughs) swatting flies right now. (laughs) And it's not very good. And so we need, you know, when Ben does this, right, the wingspan... Boom! I mean, we're, it's clear, right? Um, so once in a while, you got to tell the worship leader. And what worship leaders are doing is they're just helping everyone get on beat with what's going on. And that way you can feel like, yes, I'm into it, and it, and it fits. Um, all right. I brought up ry- rhythm for this reason. The last lever that I want to talk to you families about is this, is Rhythm that rhythm is actually one of those things that God built into creation that is going to assist your family in being a God-loving family. The idea behind God-loving family is this, that as much as you love your family and want it to work, catch this, really important, God loves your family more and wants it to succeed. And because of that, he has provided you with design, that is designed to work. He's provided you with prohibitions that say, don't go outside these guardrails, it's dangerous over there. There was a dead cow on the road driving in here this morning. How many saw the dead cow on the road, okay? A handful of you. Is a dead cow on the road causing a bit of a nightmare right now? It's a problem, right? That cow went over the guardrail somehow from above unless a helicopter dropped it and is now in the road dead, right? There are prohibitions God puts in a family that says, you go outside of this, it's a mess. There are things where it says, God says, you follow in this path. This is how it it goes. When you mess up, here's what you do as a family when you mess up. This is God loving your family, providing you with directions. And we're going to look at this last thing of rhythm that's built into creation. Um, How many of you have have your Bibles with you right now that you could open up some scripture? All right, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's where we're going to be. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When I'm talking about rhythm, um, here's, here's simply what I'm talking about. We all have X amount of time, right? We all have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. The rhythm of your life, the rhythm of your family, is how you allot that time, how you schedule in that time, and how you use that time here 's the truth of it is that every family here has a rhythm right you don 't have to you don 't have to even try to have one. you can kind of fall into a certain rhythm in your family. Um, every family here has a rhythm what we 're looking at this morning is this: is there a way that we could be intentional about taking the rhythm that we have and either honing it just a little bit because it's pretty God honoring and it's there, or there's some wholesale things that need to radically change in doing family God's way. Um, it's pretty clear from Scripture that God isn't interested in us inviting Him into one hour and 15 minutes of our week. He's not interested in having us tithe our time and give 10% of our lives over to him and invite him into that and then put him neatly in a closet or on a shelf or like our camping gear out in the shed when, when we're done with him. The call to follow Jesus is a really radical life change. Amen? I mean, he, he asks for it all, right? He doesn't ask for 10%. So in terms of thinking through our family, what does it look like? to have God be involved in all of our family life. And that's what we're getting after today. Um, I want you to turn to someone right now, and I want you to mention one thing that you miss from home since you've been camping. Okay? Um, and we'll take showers out of the equation because everyone's going to say showers because the showers aren't functioning. So you can't say showers. So turn to someone near you and just mention one thing, one, one luxury that you wish you had from back at home that you don't have right now. Go. Tell someone right now. That's because you love camping. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Okay, here's what I need to do. I need to hear. I need to hear uh, some of the answers. What? Television. Television. What else? Bad, bad dog. Your dog. Your bed. Pillow. Pillow. Nothing. Nothing. That was Tegan's answer. Anyone else? Um, my warmer clothes. Warmer clothes and a microwave. And Ethan. Warmth in general. All right. Um. So listen. I want you to imagine um, camping not for four days, but for 40 years. 40 years of camping. Okay, how does that sound? Yeah. Yeah. You can tell who's doing the work of camping. Um, 40 years of camping is what the Israelites did. Here's the kicker. There was no creek walk. They were in the desert. Okay. So 40 years of camping in the desert is this path that God took his beloved chosen nation Israel on. And we're going to pick up the story in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, they've, been, they've been camping for 40 years and some things have been going on. Um, this setting that they've been in, camping for, for 40 years, um, has caused them has been a great inky backdrop to show off some stars, some light of God. Okay, They see every single day how dependent they are on God. They see every day God's faithfulness. Think about feeding this crew every day for 40 years. Now try to expand that out to a nation. How are the people of Israel miraculously fed while wandering in the desert? Manna, right? And, um, and so, so every single meal that they eat is a reminder of God's faithfulness, right? Um, every single day, what was leading the people of Israel around? What was it? Yeah. Yeah. A cloud of smoke was leading them around. What happened every single night? A pillar of fire. So every single day that you woke up, every single night that you went to bed, there were these visual, ongoing, constant miracles happening. We're dependent on God. God's faithfully providing for us. What happened to their shoes? They just kept lasting, right? They should have worn out long ago. An entire generation. It's hard to get our heads around this. We've kind of maybe grown up hearing the story, but that's just a really long time. That's a giant miracle. So these are the people that their leader, Moses, is about to give this command to. I want you to think of that setting, and, and then we're going to read what we're going to read. But these, this is their daily life. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Follow along if you have it. If you don't, listen really closely. It says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me, Moses, to teach you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, think about us camping for 40 years. And every single time we ever ate a meal, it was provided just as God had said through the miracle of manna. And every time we woke up, we saw the cloud of smoke. And every time we went to bed, we saw that pillar of fire. And then I were to stand up here and say this to all of you. God told me to tell you to remember God every single day. Here might be your response. Um, Moses, we're doing, she's hungry for the word of God. How can we, the, the response might be this simple. Moses, we're doing this every single day. I mean, diligently teach this to our kids. We're living it every single day. We're, we're doing this. I don't know if you heard four times of your day built into this, but I want to look at these four times. Um, in, in a little bit more detail. Moses gives them this command to, to do these things right in the midst of times they were already doing that. When they sat down, when they woke up, when they went to bed, as they wandered around, they were living this. They weren't forgetting God. But a, a giant shift was on the horizon, wasn't it? The giant shift was this. They were about to stop camping and they are about to go into the promised land, right? Here's what I know about humans. Prosperous humans tend to neglect eternal truths. When life is really comfortable and easy and prosperous, we tend to have the capacity to put God into the margins really quickly. Isn't that true? To put it another way, stuff can make you forget the spiritual. Let's read verse 11. Verse 11, or verse 10 says this And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, listen to the warning, verse 12, then take care. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. So Moses gives them the message of what they are to do in a time when they're living this obediently, almost by sheer force. God forced them into that. God's music class taught them rhythm for 40 years. There's a rhythm to some things. And um, you're about to go into a place where life's about to get a lot easier in the day-to-day of finding a place to sleep, of growing some food, of getting stuff done. And so there's the warning. The solution that Moses is giving is he's saying this tap into the rhythm that God has built into creation. Here's what's fascinating. What I'm about to share with you is free of charge. It's available to every single culture in modern current times and every single culture since time began. This created rhythm that God put in our hands to utilize I know some of you work the night shift at Costco, so there's always an exception to the rule. But generally speaking, people get up with the sun, they move around during the day, they share meals, and they sleep at night. And then the next day, guess what happens? The same thing. And the next day, the same thing. And there's a rhythm to all of that. And God says, tap into that. Each time that's listed kind of appeals to a different part of us and is in a different time of the day, and there's different roles and kind of things that we can, that we can utilize. Some of you have heard the debate over whether um, you should have, whether it's about quantity of time that keeps a family together or quality time that keeps the family together. Have you heard this before? Right? Do you just do more and more and more time? And as long as we're enough to, um Together, you know, enough time, we'll be a close, tight-knit family and everyone will get along. may or may not be true, right? Quality time says, look, it's not about how much time you spend. It's just as long as you have some really good quality time. That's an interesting conversation because what does quality time mean, right? Um, For some, it might just mean having fun together or or doing planned activities together. Here's a question I want to put out to you is, um, what if we could turn the dial up? Um, especially if things aren't as close right now. What if we turn the dial up on the quantity of quality time, and what if we were to think about our quality time and kind of assess it and say, is there, is there a way that we could grow in inviting God more into that than we're already doing? The whole idea with rhythm is this. Um, we have this amount of time in our days, and so sometimes what we hear at a marriage seminar, at parenting, or whatever is to say, um, do more. And in our brains, we say this, how can we possibly do more? I can't take the day and extend it. So what we're going to talk about right now is this, how do we take the time that we already have? I'm looking at a very busy, high capacity group of people. I I know you people. And so we're saying, how do we take the time we already have and redeem the time that we already have to maximize it, to kind of use it for, for some good for God? How many of you like to eat? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you are dieting or in denial. Um, And even if you're dieting, you still like to eat, you're just choosing not to right now, good for you. Um, We love to eat, right? Um, Periodically, two nights ago at dinner, uh, my wife made this comment around the dinner table. She just said, isn't it great that God chose to use all these amazing flavors to refuel us? Like, it could have just been built into created order that we go to a gas pump, we shove it in our ear, because why does it have to be the mouth, and we just, you know, fill her up, right? We're refueled, off we go. Instead, God gives some really amazing foods. Does God also give terrible-tasting foods? Yeah! yeah! Some really terrible-tasting foods, right? Um, so God takes this and says, here's a way for us to do this. Um, meal times become one of those times that we can redeem. Um, it says in the scriptures that we just read, As you sit in your house... Now, you can sit in your house and play video games. You can sit in your house and do all kinds of things. But one of the reasons you sit in your house is to eat a meal, right? Um, Here's a few thoughts. Meal times, as you see around the campsites and what's going on around here already this weekend, are an amazing time to discuss. While you are chewing your food, if you're a talker, you know what that forces you to do? It doesn't force you to listen because you may still not be listening well, but it forces you to be quiet for a moment right? Because you probably got some training that said, stop talking with your mouth full. You won't even stop when you're chewing, right? So we have this culture that says, stop talking for a few moments while you chew your food. Chewing your food for talkers is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to not talk. When you're not talking, you're more prone to actually hear from other people. Parents, some of you already do this amazingly well, but you guard and carve out family dinner time, family meal time, and say, you know what? We're going to guard that time because it's important for us to look at each other face to face and stop and have a meal. We're going to stop and give thanks for where this food came from. So meal times are an amazing uh, thing. Here's an idea. What if you were proactive a little bit with using meal time discussion? Usually we talk about our day. We talk about some problems. Sometimes there's lo- like logistical talks that might go on. There's just kind of, chit chat banter whatever that goes on right what if you were to introduce topics periodically what if you were to think in your brain of some great questions that forced your teenage daughter to give more than a one syllable response wouldn't that be great and what if it started to just foster some some fun communication going on back doesn't mean that dinner has to be a science project but just that you started redeeming that time just just using that time a little bit more intentionally I hope that you would see that mealtimes, catch this, are as much a part of family worship as what we're doing right now. Some of you built into your weekly rhythm is to come to church. And if church is way out in the woods, we're going to church, right? So you've come out to church is what you do. Don't miss the fact that mealtimes is a part of your worship as well. Um, are mealtimes a great time to instill putting others first? Yeah right? I grew up with three other brothers. If it were left to us, it would be Lord of the Flies. I would have been the third most hungry because I was third on the totem pole. I would have been less hungry than one other person, but for sure more hungry than two others, right? Because we would have just gone at it. My parents worked hard all the time to be instilling others' first kind of thought right at mealtime. The largest federally funded study, catch this, the largest federally funded study of American teenagers found a strong link between regular family meals and academic success. Eating dinner together also led to improved psychological health as well as lower rates of alcohol and drug abuse and early sexual activity and suicide. The University of Michigan found that a regular family meal time is the single greatest predictor of academic achievement. More than studying sports, or other school activities. One more. A study of preschoolers found that mealtime conversations with their children helped to build vocabulary more effectively than listening to stories or even reading aloud to them. Now, we read the Bible, and we hear that we're supposed to Talk about God when we're sitting around the house and using that time to to reconnect and to to do family worship. So when I read these studies, I'm not surprised by it, but isn't it fun when modern studies catch up to ancient truths of the Scripture? It's just reaffirming. It says, yeah, that really is an important time. Um, I'm going to make time for that. All right, he says, talk about them. Be diligent to teach these to your children when you sit in your house. What's the second time frame in your Scriptures? Do you see it? When you what? When you walk by the way, when you travel, right? Um, how many of you sit in a car sometimes every day for hours at a time, right? Um, here's, here's just a few ideas. And again, I hope what this does is just a little springboard. Maybe there's some, um, there's some other family, some other people you can go to and say, hey, um, I really liked what the conversation got going on. I want to you know, pursue this more. But here's just a few thoughts. Um, there's some real enemies to cultivating dialogue and intimacy in our world. Um, One of them is sitting in my pocket right now. It's recording the podcast for our service. Um, But technology has a way, screen time has a way of invading on and being an enemy of one-on-one dialogue, right? Um, it has a way of, of actually excluding us from intimacy with, with, with one another. Um, one of the things that the car can become is it, can be, it can become a pretty safe place where we're, we're not staring you know, right across from each other having a big, heavy conversation, but we're in a car, we're pointing this way. Um, what if you just periodically said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop letting the kids plug in. I'm not going to plug in to talk radio or to music or whatever I'm into. I'm going to use that time to just kind of reconnect with my family, reconnect with my kids. Um, I really enjoy picking up my kids from where they go. I'm already realizing that once they get their driver's license, um, that time is lost. My kids don't always appreciate this. They're, they're here with us this morning, so they can tell you the full story later. Um, but I like picking them up and asking about their day and beyond their day, how they felt about their day, and just some different things. And I, I like reconnecting with them because we, live, we lead busy lives. And as we go on the way, I don't prepare a sermon for my children in the car. I actually really like to let them often steer and lead the conversation and talk about things that they might want to talk about and and have it go. But I really do cherish that time together in the car because you have a kind of a captive audience of all being in this physical space, but it's fairly non-threatening. One of the things that's great about the car is it allows you to kind of be in a friend mode, especially if you're a parent and you've got to tell other things at other times of the day. Being in a car together, you can just kind of be friends. One of the traditions I started with my oldest was um, we would go do evening errands together and I educated him on 80s music. He, he had a slight interest in 80s music and so I said, well, let me really educate you. And so that was just one of our fun little kind of traditions that we had. I would show him different synth pop stuff and, and, um, and tell him this is a one-hit wonder band. These guys really made it. These guys actually are still around that kind of thing Um, now not some giant heavy spiritual truth but just kind of redeeming the time using it for something uh, to connect with Um, when you lie down that's the next one that we see right so when you sit in your house when you walk on the way when you lie down um, don't raise your hand but some of you find bedtime right now exhausting i'm right there with you it can just get really tiring Here's something that's rolled through my head a lot. Um, I was challenged a long time ago. I think I read this in a book. Don't just send your kids to bed. Take them to bed. Take them to bed allows for this intimate time at the end of a day when they're little especially, close cheek to cheek, and you're just doing stuff. There's little games that you can play, um, laying in, in bed with your kid just looking up at the, at, the, at the dark ceiling and thinking through different things and talking through different things. Um, evening prayer time is really 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 precious a great way to get to know people by the way form a prayer group you start praying with these people once a week you will start to learn things about them and and grow in learning them that same is true with your with your kids when they get older it gets a little more challenging right because most teens don't need to be put to bed or tucked in I would say, man, push that as long as you can do. Push that as long as they'll, as they'll put up with that. When our kids were starting to get older, we had something called dudes devotion. So we had dudes devotions at night, and that was a little thing that we did. It changed. It wasn't the same thing as taking your kids to bed when they were little. Um, look around you. I started this series by saying find some people. I wasn't going to say with gray hair, but I have gray hair, and I still have little ones. So find some people with gray hair um, who look older uh, than I do. And pursue them. And say, hey, have you been down the road with this? I'm right in the middle of toddlerhood. I think this will never end. Will it end? Tell me it will end. And they will say, it will end. And you could ask them, hey, what would you do differently as a parent nowadays? What did you do that you were so glad you made the investment, even though it was kind of challenging at the time? Find those little bedtime routines. What a great little way to memorize scripture together. What a great way to pray directed prayers and maybe thinking along those lines. One of the things that um, going to bed does too is, um, and I would just say, do these in your homes. Isn't it scriptural to put the day away properly? We're, We're told to not let the sun go down on our anger, right? And so one of the things that tucking in at night does and having a bedtime routine, an evening routine, is to make sure that the day is put away properly. That it doesn't give the enemy a foothold into your household, into your relationships where there's harbored anger and bitterness and things going on. Bedtime's a great time to just close that out. And isn't it so good to say, aren't you glad tomorrow's a new day? (laughs) This is the rhythm that God has built into creation, free of charge for all of us to just be using. So there's the fourth one, when you rise. Talk about, diligently teach your kids when you rise up in the morning. You know what's great about the morning time? Some of you say, what? I've been dying to find out my whole life because I can't figure it out. You are the non-morning people, all right? I get you, you're my people. But the morning time provides this fresh, clean slate, does it not? There's new energies and new hopes to a morning that you come down and say, you know what, yesterday was cruddy. It was so hard, yesterday was. But you know what, we put it away right, we got to sleep on it, and now we get to start a new day. God's mercies are what? New every morning. morning. So you wake up to these fresh mercies from God. Using morning as a time to to talk about God and talk about the things of the day. One of the things as a parent that you get to be in the morning is a coach that pours courage into your kids. We're going through some transition. Four of our kids started a new school this this school year. It takes giant courage to go to a new school. So just on the way to school, I've been praying and saying, God, help me pour courage into my child and, and celebrate bravery when they make it through another day. So you can, you can encourage your kids, you can pump your kids up as they're leaving for the day and instill hope and confidence in the one who goes with them. Not only are there daily rhythms that we just covered, but there are seasonal differences, okay? So being here reminds us that fall's coming, right? Have, you start to see the leaves fall. Driving in here, we saw leaves falling. We felt it get a little bit cooler. They're going to start changing colors, right? There's sort of a yearly pattern to rhythm that we get to tap into as well. A um, couple of quick ones, weekly. Here's, here's a weekly rhythm, which is a lever you can use for your family to build connection. What we're doing right now is called Sabbath keeping. It's coming and gathering and setting aside a day for a day of worship. And it's just an awesome time to say this is what we do as a family. We reset. We're not who our job title says we are. We're all sons and daughters of the Most High King. And we're here to celebrate that fact. One of the other ones is just seasonal. Holidays are holy days, right? And you can take holidays And preach sermons. In fact, there's so many components to Easter and to Christmas and, yes, Halloween, go study it. Just all these different things that have these spiritual components, these truths built into them, that you can take them and preach sermons to your kid without it looking like what we're doing right now. You can let them teach and instill things into your family. We know that festivals and mandated times of worship were practiced by the Israelites, commanded by Moses, instilled by Moses, and Jesus went and practiced these same things. God seemed to know that we needed yearly times set aside to say, hey, stop what you're doing, put down your work, stop worrying about grades and chores for a moment. Just take a deep breath and remember what God's done. Remember what God is doing finally yearly um how many of you have a birthday okay some of you are listening still good that's all of us right we all have a birthday as you get older it seems that people don't want to remember them anymore but you still have them a birthday is a great time in a family to just celebrate that person that's what we do with it right we celebrate that you're in our family we're we're thrilled that you're created that god chose to make you Beyond that, there's some yearly family traditions that you already have that you don't have to squeeze in something new, but maybe God would let you leverage it in some way to actually begin to invite him into that in some way. I'm always amazed that families can take vacations where it's a time to kind of set time aside, but you can actually work serving God into a vacation and let it be kind of two things at once. This camping trip, serves as one of those yearly rhythm things. It's really fun for a church that has two services and you can start growing apart from each other to periodically say it's really important that we're all at one service, that we're all just together. We take it to an extreme by having every meal and sharing the space for four days together. And it's an awesome time. Um, We're gonna have the band come up and sing a couple more songs. And as they do, let me remind you of a couple of scriptures Let's celebrate family. Come on up, you guys. Psalm 127.3 says this. Children are a gift from the Lord. Listen to this second part. They are a reward from Him. What you're doing, parents who are pulling your hair out, because it gets really, really hard sometimes, is massively important. What you're doing... Day after day is not just holding your family together, not just raising your kids. You're a light, you're a beacon for God's design for family. You are training up the next generation. That's what you're doing. Here's the second scripture Proverbs 22 6. Direct your children onto the right path. Direct your children. Train up your children, another translation says. And it says, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Let me pray. God, I thank you for these families here. Um, And I praise you that you can work through our brokenness. I thank you, God, for the growth and the improvement that is going on because of your grace. I pray, God, that you would help us if we've lost our rhythm, if we've not listened in a while to the things you've already built into our day, that you would tune our hearts to your rhythm. And God, this is something you mandated centuries ago, that we hear it today and it sounds fresh and new and like this might actually work. God, I pray that you would help us to be diligent, to invite you in to what we're doing. Help us with that. In Jesus' name, amen.